We sold our house! Don't get too psyched, because you haven't sold it yet. You're an escrow. Is. Good afternoon. Once again, this is Maria with Orange County Escrow Services here with our podcast, Hard to Hot with Escrow. And today our guest is Robert Mosodio um, from WFG. He is the account executive uh, sales rep over at WFG. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about um, title and how we work together in escrow and why we use title, the prelim, um, what to look out into the prelim. Um, but before, I want to kind of have you introduce yourself. Give me a little bit about yourself, your background, family, what you like to do for fun. So go ahead and yeah. introduce yourself. Well, Maria, thank you so much for having me. Um, since the time that I met you, you've always been so kind to me. You know, I started in the business a little bit over three years ago and I came in here and I was super timid, uh-huh. you remember? And I you know, <laughs> sat by your desk and I was just asking you a couple of questions and you were always so kind. You you recommended me to reach out to a couple of offices, so thank you. You're welcome. Um, so a little bit about me. My name is Robert Osorio. I work with WFG National Title Company. I am a child of four. I'm the second oldest and I was actually raised by a single mother. Uh, okay. she, she's a badass. She does a really good job. She's awesome. Um, and I really, truly enjoy playing soccer. But prior to playing soccer, I was actually a, a former All-American cross-country athlete. Really? So, yeah. So I would run all the time. I was one of the top runners in the in the state. I think it was 13th in the state as a junior in Oh, well, look at you. Yeah. You still run? Uh, yeah, I still run every once in a oh, while. Okay. But I think my heart lies more with soccer. Yeah, soccer? I, yeah, I still play soccer now on the weekends and every every once in a while during the week. So. Oh, we have so, something in common. I used to play soccer in high school. Did you really? Yeah, I did. I did in soccer and I played outside league and got a scholarship and, you know, just left that. But soccer is fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I grew up in, um, so I was born in Anaheim. Okay. And I grew up a part of my life in Santa Ana. Okay. And then the rest of my life in Fountain Valley. Okay. So both very different worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up, like I said, with my single mother. And then when I was 16 years old, I was taken into my aunt and uncle's okay. home mm-hmm. um, where they were very generous to take me in, you know, because obviously times were tough. Um, but yeah, I'm super grateful for them. And I, when I first started in the business, I started as a real estate agent. Then I started working in customer service as a title rep mm-hmm. or, you know, uh, working as a customer service rep for a title company. Okay. And then four months later, I got moved into the account executive sales role here. at. What's WFG. the difference? Or what did you like it or what got you into like, oh, okay, I'll be an AE. And the only thing I ask is because you're very, very good with talking to people. You gravitate very well. You know, you're able to kind of engage you know so you seem like a people person but what got what was or how did you get into that position or you said okay that's for me yeah so it's, it's actually really funny so it all started when I was in high school okay I had a friend whose name is Sam he he was a real estate agent at the time and his parents flipped homes so he reached out to me one day and he said hey Robert you should get your real estate license we should work together and I thought hey why not? Why I have not? nothing to lose. So mm-hmm. I had just graduated high school. I figured, okay, I'm going to go take my state exam. I pass it. I get my license. Sam and I start working together for uh, a few months. And then after that, he started working as a project engineer for his dad's company. Okay. And so I kind of became a solo agent, started working for First Team Real Estate out there in Huntington Beach. Oh, okay. And while I was also a real estate agent, I was a student at OCC. And I was waiting tables to pay my day-to-day bills, right? Wow. So during the day, I was going to school. Mm-hmm. During the evenings, I was waiting tables. And then on the weekends, I was hosting open houses. 
Wow. Right. So, Respect the hustle. <laughs> man, it was it was Challenging, tough. Challenging, huh? Yeah, it was real tough. So I remember this distinctly. I was at OCC. I was sitting at one of my accounting classes. And I'm one of those people who's very fidgety, right? Especially if I'm sitting <laughs> down for too long. Yeah. And I was shaking my leg. And the kid behind me kind of tapped on my shoulder. And he looked at me. And he was like, hey, dude, can you stop shaking your leg? Uh-huh. And I turned around. And I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry. I'm uh-huh. just, I'm, this is how I am. And after that, we just kept talking. His name is John. Okay. Right? So we kept talking. We had a really good relationship. We would meet up at like coffee shops and do homework together. And eventually after about a one year of knowing him, he was like, Hey Robert, you should come work with us. And I told him, dude, I can't fit you in my schedule. You know, I'm waiting. Yeah. yeah." I I was like, I can't fit you in my schedule. (laughs) Uh And he said, well, this isn't um, something for you to add to your schedule. This is a career shift. Mm -hmm. Right. And I thought, Oh, I don't know. Like that is a very bold move. And he said, well, it is a very it. bold word, career, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, career. I was like, oh. Okay. At this point, I was, what, 20? Good. Yeah. Right? I was like, oh, my gosh. I don't know if I can do that. So I will think about it. You know, one whole year goes by, and we're still very close, and I transfer over to Cal State Long Beach. And at this time, I kind of switched my schedule around. I was waiting tables in the morning now and taking classes at night okay. and then hosting open houses on the weekends, right? And I was just doing this for, like, two to three years, and I was like, you know what? This isn't sustainable. Yeah. So I call my buddy John. I'm like, hey, John, is that uh, position still available? And he said, well, we're always looking to hire, but I can only put in a good word for you. After that, it's all up to my boss. Mm -hmm. So I thought, yeah, that'd be great. So I send him my resume. He sends it to Dale. Oh, wow. So I get the interview. I sit down with Dale, and he hires me on the spot. He said, when can you start? I said, oh, well, I have to give my two weeks notice over at um, my waiter job at Eureka in Belaterra. And he said, okay, we'll, we'll let you start then. So I start in customer service department. I'm mm-hmm. put in this cubicle. Right? Yeah. So not that there's anything I, re- I remember uh, those cubicles. <laughs> uh-huh. So uh, I'm sitting down at the cubicle and, you know, I'm doing all the back end work, pulling all the property profiles, looking, reading the chain of title, looking to see what needs to be paid off, what hasn't been paid off, and really just understanding what title is, right? Because right. in the real estate world, we have the real estate agent. Right. We have the lender. Mm-hmm. We have escrow. We have escrow. And we have title, mm-hmm. right? So all those are, f- s- they have their own environment. Right. Their own moving parts. Right. So when I got put into title, all I knew was real estate, but then title was a whole new world for me, yeah. right? So I worked in, in the customer service department for about four months, Okay. right? After that, I was thinking, man, I can't like sit in this cubicle. I'm talking to no one. I'm so accustomed to walking around, chatting with people. And making friends. Right. Right. So I'm like, I'm going to go talk to Dale. So I go. Knock I knock on, on his door. <laughs> he's like, oh, Robert, come on in. You know, he's such a, such he's a such nice. He's such a good man. Yeah. Such yeah. a, such a good man. And uh, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, I'm so grateful for the opportunity. Thank you for having me on board. Like, this really means so much to me. And I said, I'd, I'd love to move up within the company. Can I become like a title officer, escrow officer? Can I become something? Something. Right. Yeah. He looks at me. And he grabs it. He, he walks over to his library. He had a little library in his office, pulls out a book, puts it on his table and he slides it over. He's like, read this and then get back to me. Right. So the book was how to win friends and influence people. Right. I read the book. It takes me about a week and I get back, knock on his door. Right. I'm like, hey, Dale, Dale, I love the book. I read it. He's like, oh, what did you learn about it? You know, and I didn't even know where to start because there's right. just so many lessons to be learned in that book. And after that, we kept the conversation going and he said, hey, what do you think about becoming a, an account executive for the company? And I said, well, I don't really know what they do, right? Because at this point, I was just working in the customer service department. Mm-hmm. And 
he said, okay, I'm going to have you go on a ride along with one of my top reps. I thought, okay, that'd be sweet. So I go on that ride along with the top rep and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Mm -hmm. After the ride along, I come back to Dale and he's like, what did you think? I'm like, this was awesome. What did the um, ride along consist of? So it just consisted of the day-to-day thing. So replying to emails, answering phone calls, making those office visits, sitting down in those meetings, right? It's so fast paced because from the moment that you wake up, you have emails in your inbox, you have calls that you have to make, right? Whether it be cold calls, warm calls, calling your clients, following up, making sure all the files are closing, right? Right. So it's so fast paced and it was something that I was accustomed to because I was a waiter, right? And as a waiter, everything's so fast paced. Right. They're hungry, (laughs) angry people, you know? (laughs) Hungry, yeah. (laughs) Something similar to the real estate when you don't get a prelim on time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Got it. So I, I fell in love with it and he said, well, how do you feel about becoming a title rep? Mm-hmm. And at this point, I had only been on one ride along. And I said, well, I don't know. I think I, I need to you know, maybe learn a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you better do it because we're printing your business cards right now. Wow, that fast. And I thought, He oh. made the decision for you before you even kind of jump into that. Yeah. And I was Sweet. just shocked because mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that. And I was so nervous. And at this point, I was about 21, right? And so I start in Santa Ana. That's when yeah. I met you, and yes. and then the rest is history. Nice. So that's kind of how I got started in the industry, and it's it's been a long, long journey, but I must say that... You say long journey. How many years are we talking about? <laughs> Not longer than mine, <laughs> so, but... So, yeah, five, five years for <laughs> five me. Five years, yeah. okay. Yeah. Still good. Yeah. And you're still hanging in there. That's yeah, good. yeah. Doing... Many quit yeah. after the second year, you know? It's hard. It's hard. It's hard out there, I think. As I mentioned before, I used to work for a title company and I was also an account executive, right? So that that was my biggest challenge. My challenge was to, you know, where do you meet? Santa Ana was actually my actual area. Really? That I, same thing. Obviously, the Spanish speaker and trying to meet people. I think what helped me in that industry and title was the fact that I was an underwriter, right? Oh. And so I worked for many other mortgage companies. One of them, we mentioned it was subprime countrywide. But within those years, I learned, um, I met a lot of people and I learned, you know, from them, you know. So right. then obviously the broker previews that you go and see, because back it was like broker preview in Fountain Valley, Anaheim Hills. It was Santa Ana. It was, you know, bro- caravans, open right. houses. Before we used to do the open houses, promote the open houses. So as a, even as an underwriter or an AE, I would still walk in into the open houses and I would pre-qualify anybody really? that would come in. Yeah. Wow. I would pre-qualify them just to make sure that, okay, you can qualify for this house, or if you don't qualify for this house, let me qualify you for something, you know? And at least you have that data, which is a a warm lead for us. Right. And you connect people, and, you know, obviously brokers and agents who do the open house appreciate that, you know? Oh, absolutely. Because then they get to represent them maybe on the next transaction. So that that was my challenge is, like, being consistent, meeting people all the time, you know? Obviously, I understand understand your mother was a single mom i was a single mom you know it was hard to like okay how do you kind of you know schedule your your children yeah. here or school pick them up and then have time to network because a lot of these networks were after work mm-hmm. you know i don't know if you've been to any yeah. networks afterwards like everybody wants to go and there's a network event yep. there's you know uh, open houses on the weekend so those were challenges, but title for me was interesting. I didn't do the customer service. I just did the sales. Right. So, you know, that that for me was interesting. Dale also guided me, you know, 
to how to do this, how do you do that, and, and even an, an escrow. Right. You know, I go with him for, for any type of guidance. But, yeah. you know, the importance of Titan, I think for you, you know, you were in a customer service that you were able to identify what a property profile is. Right. That is very common, right? Right, right now common. with clients and brokers, hey, can you pull a property, file, property profile? What is a property profile? So property profile is going to have your basic information from property characteristics, ownership information, and then just all the title history. And the importance of a title profile is to just make sure that the person who owns the home is actually on title. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you a story here. So we were working with a client who wanted to refinance their home just about two months ago, right? Okay. And she reached out to the loan officer and said, hey, I want to refinance my property. Loan officer said, great, send me all your docs and we'll look into it. We'll get started. Turns out they look at the documents and they're saying, well, this is your name, but your name is not on title. Wow. Okay. So she reaches out to me and she said, hey, Robert, can you double check to see who's on title? I pull up the property profile and it says some other person, right? So I'm like, okay, this is interesting. It's saying that it's a whole different person. And there was a title change back in 2010. So let me look into this further. Mm -hmm. So then we look into it further and it seems like she had a modification done back in 2010. Oh, the sweet mods. <laughs> okay. So long story short, she signed a power of attorney. That power of attorney deeded the property over to someone else. Oh, wow. So now when she wanted to refinance the property, it was no longer hers, right? So what we had to do is we had to point her in the right direction and uh, suggest a real estate attorney okay. to file a quiet title action deed, or mm -hmm. try, sorry, try to uh, quiet title action mm -hmm. in order to dispute ownership over the property. Because it was still, in fact, her property. She was paying taxes. The loan was under her name. She was still making the mortgage payment. Correct. It was just her name that was not on title. Because she gave that power of attorney to someone else. Correct. So that property profile itself holds so much value. Yeah. Right? If you don't see your name on that first line, there's an issue. Mm -hmm. Or if you see that there's an open loan that you never pulled against your property, that can be an issue as well. Right. Right. Sometimes it's human error. Right. right. Because when they record the deeds of trusts on the parcel number, they can click the number one instead of the number two. And now that deed of trust is recorded under your parcel. Right. Right. So but that's what that's the power of that uh, property profile mm -hmm. has all that information. Right. So when you go on that listing presentation, you know who owns the property, how many liens, how many loans are on the property and what they bought it for. Mm -hmm, right? Correct. So it all also includes the chain of title, right? Right. So I know that you guys actually have an app where is, do you guys have an app where somebody like myself or somebody like an agent out there can actually pull their own property profile? So instead of, Hey, you know, Robert, can you, pool, maybe you're in a meeting or something and they send you an address, hey, can you provide me a property profile? Do you guys offer any type of like easy access for clients for them to look it up or like a login, like an app or something like that where they can be like, okay, I can log in and get it myself or you don't or you prefer them contacting you? So we have all of the above. If we have an app, they can contact me or they can contact our customer service department. Okay. So the app is really easy. It's called Fetch by WFG. All we would need to do is send them a login credential. Then from there, they'll add their username, their password, log in. First thing they'll see is a search bar at the top mm -hmm. of the screen. They'll plug in the address, hit search. And then once you hit search, you'll see three buttons, property profile, net sheet, or more. 
There you go. Nichi. You guys even have a niche. Yeah, we have. I'll make my job a lot more easy, but <laughs> no, no problem. That's, that's really good, though. Yeah. That you guys have that. Yeah. So it has everything. So let's just say you're sitting at an open house one day mm -hmm. and you have a buyer come through and say, hey, I want to know what, what my monthly payment would look like if I put an offer for $600,000 on this property. You pull up the app, pull up a net sheet for the buyer. You say, okay, well, if you're going to put $600,000, you're going to finance $600,000, you're going to put 20% down. Uh, these are your closing costs. Okay, well, uh, closing costs plus down payment is going to be this sum. And right. then this is going to be your monthly payment based on the taxes and then the interest rate and everything else added. So nice. it just breaks it down for them. And of course, it's an estimate, right? It's right. not always 100% accurate, but it's an estimate. And it's always within the, uh, the ballpark of what they're going to end up getting. That's a good tool because, you know, like you said, if it's the weekend and clients need a property profile and at the same time you have clients coming in and trying to get a net sheet. For those of you who don't know what a net sheet is, it's pretty much, you know, it, it works well for the buyer. It works well for the seller, for the seller, for the most part. They want to know what they're going to net at the end of their transaction when they sell a property, meaning, OK, I'm selling my property for five hundred thousand, but I owe two hundred thousand. Um, minus commissions minus you know uh property taxes minus they have to pay um commissions closing costs closing costs and then at the very bottom it'll give you what they're netting obviously estimate that's kind of where you know you want to give your client a good presentation where they're like hey if we sell it for this much this is what you're going to get you know so that way they know and they get to determine okay that is going to be either you know sent to you if you're looking for a new home then you know how much of a down payment you're going to be putting that which is the remainder of that net net sheet right so that it's called the net sheet just because it's an estimate that you know we do i do set up you know myself sometimes they tell me hey can you do a real quick net sheet i'm going to be meeting up with the client they're selling the property for this much they have this even if they have a solar if they're going to pay the solar right. you know we add all those numbers and it gives you you know um a perspective of what they're looking at at the end of the transaction yeah so that way they know okay this is what i can afford it's doable i'll sell my house right so that's what the net sheet is. And you guys actually have an app that they can actually use. So if you guys, you know, need the app, contact Robert, you know, so that he can set you guys up with that because it's very important. It, it just makes you guys look better. Yeah. My other absolutely. question, I think that I we get as common because it's it's very frequent. And I believe you kind of just had a presentation on this is the preliminary title report, right? And what is exactly a preliminary title report? And we'll go from what can we expect on a prelim, right? Um, and why is it needed? Uh, what, you know, circumstances we actually run into. I know we, we run into judgments. We run right. into liens, child support, um, other stuff that the client might not know. Or they have a lien, for example, child support, which is very common. If you have a very common name, if you're a Jose Lopez or, you know, Juan Chavez or whatever, you you have a very common name. And so what title does sometimes if there is a child support out there it might not be yours, but you have a common name, they'll tag that into the property, which then it's my job, your job. OK, well, you know what? How do we clear it? And what is a statement of information right. to clear it? So. Right. Give us a little brief about what a prelim is. So a prelim is basically going to be the history of your property from the time that you purchased it till now, right? So anything that was recorded against your property, any judgments that you received while owning the property um, and so forth. If you haven't paid your taxes, the IRS liens are going to populate on there, right? So 
that's what a prelim is. And the reason why we pull the prelim is before we sell your property or before we refinance the property, we want to make sure that it's free and clear, that those people are paid off mm -hmm. and that new person who's buying your property isn't assuming any of those loans, right? Now, and as far as like the judgments and the child support lien, like Maria noted, sometimes it attaches to the name, not necessarily right. to that person's social security number, which is why we always request an SI, also known as a statement of information, where one fills out their personal information, like their name, their address, their social security number. And I think it's the last 10 years of their residency. And, and employment. Uh, mm -hmm. Yep, and employment. And the reason why we ask for that is the more information we have, the more accurate our search is going to be. So then that way, when we do run it, it'll say yes or no, this judgment or this child support lien does in fact correlate with this person. So if it doesn't, let's just say, oh, that person isn't you, what we would do as a title company will issue a supplement removing that item from the prelim so you don't have to worry about it. And oftentimes, especially with the newer agents, they'll open up a prelim and they'll freak out because they see, oh my gosh, this guy has a child support lien, but he doesn't have children. What's going on? Yep. Right. I've had that. And then they, they call their client and then the client starts freaking out. Right. So what we have to do is basically sit them down and say, hey, it just attaches to the name. It doesn't mean it's yours. Let's fill out the SI. Once we run the SI, then we'll talk about it. And the requirement on some of the SIs on the title, it says that you have a common name, mm -hmm. that they need a statement of information to clear any possibilities of any judgments or any liens against the name in itself. So I had the same scenario. The worst part, I had the wife and the husband in front of me, and I had to tell the husband's like, hey, there's a child support, and the wife looks at him, but we don't have any kids. And I was like, oh, great. Uh, this is going to be a divorce or a no deal here to uh, selling the property. Property. But then again, it's the, you know, the, the, the requirement that I usually like doing is providing a statement of information form in the very beginning of the transaction yes. so that we don't have any surprises at the end of the transaction because then that can hold our recording and that can hold a lot of other stuff. You know, right. they're probably going to come like there's an IRS lien. It takes 15 business days just to get a payoff demand from the IRS right. or a lien from Los Angeles or, you know, Orange County. So there is a process and that process, we are the ones who are responsible to make sure that we do get what it's called a zero demand or a demand that says that you do owe it and how much do you owe it. And obviously, because it is a lien that's recorded, then they have to then do a release yes. of that lien. Yes. And in fact, it's, it's interesting. There are times where a bank will not issue a release, mm -hmm. right? So then when we open up the prelim, the client will say, hey, I paid off this loan five years ago. And we look in our records and it's like, hey, this was never released. So what ends up happening is we have to either look for that bank and sometimes they no longer exist. So then we find the beneficiary. And if that isn't the case, sometimes that loan was assigned to someone else, right? So once we figure out where that loan went, we contact those people and we ask for a release. They're gonna ask us for some information. We're gonna give it to them. And then if everything is good to go, they'll issue that release and record it for us. And then we'll be good to go. Now in the off chance that we can't find that person because it was a private loan, right? I've had those. We mm -hmm. can issue, uh, we don't issue a bond, but you look, you can look for a bonding company and it's usually 1% of the loan balance, the original loan balance. And then you have to have a X amount of liquid assets in your bank. Now, bonds aren't my area of expertise, but that's what we see often. Yeah. So I've dealt with a couple of them. So a lot of the times that, you know, a lot of people who've done mods or, you know, they had that 
years ago Andy Mac or something like that and they no longer exist right so before they were you know they would sell that property to another servicing company that servicing company went out of business and so on and so forth what I like in the title industry and what I like to work with because you do have a back office you do have other people working behind the scenes trying to get this information I usually like to contact title and what we both do because you guys have other programs that we might not have that facilitates to get this information right mm -hmm. so then I called title I said look they're not in business I've already googled them I've already called five different phone numbers they don't know who it is do you have a MERS number do you have something that connects to it so then I do call your team you know back office I do call the title officer and I run it through I was like okay I've already done what I could in my power is it anything else that you guys can do that you guys have other softwares that can facilitate more information so that we can try to locate that because if we don't locate it yeah then we'll do a bond you know a loss of note or a bond of depending if you can prove that you paid the loan off but obviously we can get a hold of the lender to do a conveyance so yeah there there's there's ways to it but right. you guys have a better software oh, or absolutely. other resources that assist escrow in getting what we need yeah yeah we have a whole team so we have the title officers then we have their assistants then we have the payoff department we have the customer service department and if there's ever an issue where there's a file that's very difficult we have our title advisor that overlooks all the title officers to make sure that we can push that file through and if that doesn't happen we have our division president who will put that stamp of approval and say, hey, yeah, we're going to close this deal, right? So we have so many different departments doing so many things, and they have access to many, many different resources that a lot of other companies don't. Like, for example, oftentimes what we see happen with the prelim is that uh, someone quit claimed off the property, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And it was through an uninsured deed, and the person who quit claimed off went to Mexico. Now, when, that, when one of the owners wants to sell it, they need a signature, from the person who quit claimed off because it was uninsured. That's called an affidavit of uninsured deed. Correct. So what happens is that can hinder the whole transaction because right. number one, first we have to locate them, right? They're out of the country. Right. Secondly, what if they have to book an appointment in the embassy and it's taking about a month to book an appointment right now? Especially and, with COVID, I've had yeah. that twice. And they don't want to fly out here, right? If they're a U.S. resident, mm -hmm. WFG will accept an RON, so a remote, a oh, remote okay. online notary. Right? That's new. So that's really cool. That's one of the things that we can do to facilitate your transactions. If you're either stuck or it's going to delay the whole thing, mm -hmm. we can try to make that happen for you. So yeah. that's one of the resources that we have that I think is really cool. That is very cool because I did have a scenario where, you know, the client did need, um, it was not necessarily an uninsured deed, but the husband was selling the property and the wife had to go to Mexico. And so she had to sign that grant deed. Um, she was not a U.S. citizen she was a resident but she was out there because somebody had passed away right um, we were able to get her an appointment with the US Embassy for her to go in there just to get the notary part done but uh, yeah you're right I did hear something about uh, you doing like an electronic yep. kind of notarization which it seems like there's other states out there that do them I know California is not fully approved but you guys are insuring it as a title company. Correct. As if, long if, as it's your notary and your... And as long as it's done correctly, there's a couple of things that need to happen in order for it to be done in a correct professional manner. Um, and in order to know exactly what that is, you'd have to contact the title officers. 
Good to know because, yeah. and I know that they do have to be a U.S. citizen yes. to use that electronic notary yes. service. So, yeah, that is very important because yep. I think that's kind of where I feel we're going in this era. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's a little scary to notarize certain stuff, you know, that, you know, it's electronically and you don't really have the person in front of you or... Uh, you know, that's yeah. an interesting subject for another time. Yeah, where how do you get the <laughs> how do you get the thumbprint or right, something like that? Right. But it's very interesting how quickly you know technology is actually moving for us. You oh, know, um, but that's very good. That's very good. Good information, just because we do have a lot of those. You know, they they do go to Mexico. They do. Right. You know, they're not coming back, right. or they don't want to come back. So we need that affidavit. You know, mm -hmm. so those are the options. So. Good to know. The other thing I kind of wanted to ask, and maybe we can kind of go through it, are, you know, liens, right? Liens. Liens. How do we handle liens? How do, what are liens? What's the type of liens you see? Or, you know, or which are the challenging ones? Well, oftentimes we'll see a mechanics lien, right? When there's work done on the property and then you decide not to pay them. Uh, that that subcontractor or that contractor will record a lien against your property. Will it will be posted and it'll say the dollar amount on there. So if you owe twenty thousand dollars, they're going to record a lien for twenty thousand dollars against your property. Now that lien will not go away until you sell, because it they'll have to get their money one way or another. So what that means is if you want to sell your property, you're going to have to pay them off before you can even transfer the property to the new homeowner. And how do you pay it off? Is basically I get the copy of the recorded lien something that you guys do provide. So a lot of the times it's very useful to get a hyperlinked prelim, meaning any recording documents, it has a little hyperlink um, number on it. You can click on it and automatically gives you the recording document. It works well with us because then, you know, we get a copy of it and then we always kind of call, you know, that mechanics lien and we kind of request a payoff um and we get that payoff and we work with title to make sure that you know that payoff gets paid through title so right. that's the other thing that you know a lot of people need to understand it's not escrow that pays it i don't directly send a wire to your mortgage department i don't send you know a payment to your taxes i don't i don't pay child support i make sure that title needs those demands on time current demands so that title is the one that sends those those payments because that's why you're getting this title insurance. They want to make sure they're paying it. You're paying the first lien, you're paying the second lien, you're paying that child support, you're paying that judgment, you're paying the tax, you know, tax IRS lien, you know, um, the mechanic liens. Right. What title is asking from us as an escrow company, give me the payoff demands and we'll take care of it yeah. and we'll clear title. So that way the new owner has a clear title yep. and there's no liens or anything that can come and affect that property right have you ever seen a lien come back after you insure it i haven't seen a lien come back but i have seen uh someone claim interest in a property after it's sold so here's what happened oh wow so let's just say i'm the homeowner of 123 main street mm -hmm. and i grant you maria 50 percent of my property okay. as joint tenants i sign the deed you hold on to it but you never record it okay and then I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and sell the property. I go and sell it to Jose, right? Jose, just the deed that you and I did was never recorded, right? Mm -hmm. I sell it to Jose. Jose buys the property. A year later, you come back with that deed that you and I both signed. And you say, hey, I have rights to this property, right? So then title, since we insured that policy, we have to go out and fight for him, right? So we have to pay you out to ensure that everyone's happy. So. How interesting. Yeah. 
That that is uh, that's very interesting. Yeah. So just make sure you're not granting a portion of your property randomly to people. Now, you was don't know. that form obviously wasn't recorded, so it's an uninsured deed. Correct. But it still holds some legal. So legal value yeah, on that. Actually, interesting. Yeah. Now that's that's one of the other topics we were kind of thinking, oh, that we commonly get right. We get those clients that say, hey, I want to put my son on title. Right. I want to do an uninsured deed. An uninsured deed pretty much basically is a form that you're granting somebody to be vested into your property, but you're not using title or escrow to do so. You are doing this form either through an attorney, a legal advice, um, a, a quick claim deed or adding somebody to the grand deed or if you're adding your spouse, if you got remarried or anything like that. So those are forms that you yourself take directly to the county recorders and record it yourself, which is considered an uninsured deed. Correct. So that is what they did in this, in this scenario. They had a, a, di a different agreement. He signed off his half off and here you go, but the right. guy never Recorded did anything. It. So. Right. That is very interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, so usually when it comes to transferring any portion of your property or our vesting, you always want to speak with a, re a real estate uh, attorney. attorney. You don't want to speak with escrow, title, or your realtor or your lender because the estate attorney will be able to guide you in the right direction. And who knows, maybe the best option for you may be a trust rather than just filing as uh, community property with rights of survivorship if you're a married couple, right? So uh, you just want to make sure that you reach out to the right parties. Uh, for example, I like to use this analogy. There was this book I read. It was The Richest Man in Babylon, right? Um, if your car breaks yes. down, you're not going to call the plumber, right? You're going right. to call the mechanic, right? So if you have any estate planning questions, you want to call an estate planning attorney, right? right? So you just want to make sure you go to those right parties. I agree. Our last topic before we kind of let go here, um, vesting. Vesting is very interesting. And in how do we guide clients to how they should be vested, right? Um, a lot of the times in our escrow package, we give them a little bit of information of how they could be vested if they're married, single, uh, partners, domestic partners, um, divorce, married, widow. Um, so I give that information along with my package, but a lot of the times we see agents deciding for clients what they should be vested. And a lot of the times clients do not understand what each individual vesting means right. and how it can affect them because you can be as joint tenants and how do you fight that in court versus tenants in common right so uh, so there's very four very popular vesting so there's community property number one community property with rights of survivorship joint tenants and tenancy in common so okay. community property is husband and wife but each of their portions can go to their heirs right so if one passes their portion will go to their heirs, not necessarily to the wife, not unless it's part of the uh, the will, right? Now, community property with rights of survivorship, if one passes, the survivor on title will take the remaining portion um, of the husband or the wife. Now, that's, you know, the community property and the difference between community property and uh, community property with rights of survivorship. Okay. Uh, now, joint tenants also has rights of survivorship and interest in the property has to be equal among everyone. So if there's seven people who are as joint tenants on a property, everyone has equal shares of the property. If it's one person, if it's three people, doesn't matter, right? Everyone has to be equal across the board. Um, now, joint tenants has rights of survivorship. So if someone passes, it'll go to the remaining survivors on title. And then tenancy in common, 
interest in the property can be unequal. So it can be three people and each person is vested 10%, 10%, 10 80%, right? So you can make that agreement. However, when that person passes, it'll go to their will or to their beneficiaries. So that's just kind of like a simple example. If you guys are interested in learning more, I can always send you a nice little uh, uh, chart with all the information and who gets what and where it goes if someone passes. However, as an agent, again, we want to uh, note that it we cannot advise right. how to vest a property. We can maybe tell them, hey, I've seen in your scenario most people vest as joint tenants, but I, I recommend reaching out to an estate attorney to see what best suits you, right? Awesome. So before we leave, I usually, I usually like, you know, for my, you know, invites to say a positive note. Yes. So for young people, you know, young um, men out there, women as well, that are trying to get into this industry. Um, what do you recommend? You know, what do you recommend? What what guidance do you give them? Something that you learned along the way, you know, as you kind of grew into this real estate profession, career, and, you know, and, and, and the hiccups and how to overcome them, right? Yeah. So a little positive note. I think don't just like you know nike super cheesy just do it you know because oftentimes even now i i see myself over plan and like fixate and over plan and plan and plan and overthink it and then i don't end up executing sometimes you just have to do it when i first started in my career when dale asked me do you want to do this i was hesitant right <laughs> i didn't want to do it because i wasn't i didn't feel like i was ready although Dale knew I was ready. Right. So just do it. If you want to be a real estate agent, if you want to be a loan officer, it doesn't matter if you're in the, in the industry. If, you, if there's something you want to do, just do it. Because if you over plan, it's never going to happen. And that sale, that ship is going to sail and you're going to miss it. Right. So I just agree. just get it done. And uh, yeah, good luck. That's it. Good luck. Don't give up. Don't, Don't give, give up. up. <laughs> so we come to the end. We just want to thank you guys for watching. And um, if you guys have any questions, um, you can contact Robert. Robert, what's your contact info? Uh, I'll, I'll leave my uh, my cell phone number. It's 714-287-3120. So if you have any title questions, you can reach out to me. Uh, if I don't answer because I'm in a meeting, I'll always try my best to send you a text message to say, hey, I'm in a meeting. I'll call you right back. Uh, I prefer text message because then that way I can keep track of who I'm uh, speaking with and I can make sure that I send out everything that I need to. So. Thank you, no, Maria. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure. You guys have a good day until our next Thursday. See you guys. Bye-bye. Do you understand what escrow is?